Welcome to the Writing Block Podcast, where we talk all things writing and indie publishing. I'm Christopher Lee, author of Nemeton and uh, one of the founding members of Writing Block. We're here today to talk about marketing, marketing your book and marketing outside of the box. Today, I'm joined with my co-host, Jackie Castle, author of Seclusion and uh, and an upcoming uh, sequel. And uh, we're also here with our guest host, our guest host today, uh, Don Hosmer, author of Bits and Pieces and the End of Echoes. Uh, how are you guys today? Good. How are you? Well, I'm I'm doing just fine. It's a it's a beautiful day here in Colorado. Not too hot, but uh, all all all's good on the western front out here. <laughs> in Ohio, it's very humid and muggy still. So um, I would. Love a cooler day to come soon, hopefully. Down here in Asheville, it's beautiful. We have like a 75 degree and sunny day, so I can't complain. All right, well, um, let's go ahead and let's start, get start talking about uh, marketing. Um, you know, marketing is one of those things that most uh, authors, whether they're indie or, you know, published through crowdfunding or some other non-traditional method, uh, it, it's something that we all really, really struggle with. Uh, we're writers. We're we're not salespeople. So I think the purpose of, of this conversation here is to to give our listeners um, a few tips and tricks, things that we've stumbled into or or really mastered along the way, so that they have a better uh, chance of uh, sur- surmounting those those obstacles that we've all had to go through the hard way. Um, uh, Don, let's let's just start uh, really uh, simply here. Um, how much time a week uh, do you spend on on marketing your books? I would say before the end of Echoes released, um, which was just, I think, almost two weeks ago, I would spend about 20 hours a week, depending on how you define marketing. Um, So for me, marketing includes social media time, whether that's just interacting. It's not necessarily just me plugging my book on social media, but it's building a presence interacting with people. So I would say probably 20 to 30 hours a week prior to the end of Echoes releasing. Well, I want to go back to that really quick. Um, you said you said something there that, that triggered me. Um, it's it's kind of like a full-time job, this this marketing. You've got 30 hours a week here. And uh, and, and where do you fit in writing in the, in, in the process here? Um, and that's why I said before Echoes released, because it was a very fast process. So I was going through final edits. We were trying to get the cover design. So it was a month of just purely wrapped up in getting the book out into the world. So I didn't have time to write or do anything or market at all in that month. And I did see a decline in my sales as I was pulled away from doing some of the things I normally do, which has a plus side and a negative side. The plus side means that something I was doing was working. If when I stopped doing it, my sales fell. But generally what I do is um, I devote certain times of the day to, okay, here's my time for marketing. And then other times of the day I devote to writing. And when I'm in those writing times, I force myself to not open Twitter or Facebook or Instagram on my computer. I leave my phone in the other room because otherwise, you know, I'll get distracted. And Oh, I believe you. 
we've all been there. Yes, we have. All right. Well, um, Jackie, do you have anything to add on to that? Yeah, and I think it kind of like Dawn, it really depends on what stage um, of the process I'm in for a book in development. Definitely the month leading up to it, you're spending the majority of your time trying to make sure that the launch is as successful as possible. And then I think, you know, after that, I try probably spend a good hour a day just trying to to come up with something unique to do that month. I've kind of set a rule for myself that I'll do one thing that I have to pay for each month, whether that be uh, a spot in someone's newsletter or dropping an ebook down to 99 cents and spreading the word about that somehow. I do a lot of giveaways because I've kind of learned that instead of throwing money at advertising, that what I often just put that same money into giving away copies of my own product that I that I sometimes then get more eyes on it. Um, and we'll notice yeah. my sales go up a little bit because of that. And then I'm also seen as as someone who, you know, is happy to to gift this to people. And so that's been one of my main forms of marketing that I've stumbled into that I think has a really good, you know, turnaround and just makes the book more visible. And yeah, I don't feel like I really answered the original question that we were building on. <laughs> it kind of went on a tangent there. Um, okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, I think it changes a lot. When the book's about to come out, you're spending almost full time just pushing, pushing, pushing. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, other times you just kind of have to remind yourself, okay, let me, let me make sure I'm, I'm taking one step forward, you know, each and every day. Otherwise, you know, it can just fall to the wayside and you start working on other things. Um, like Dawn said, I, you know, if I was counting time on social media, building relationships, then, mm-hmm. you know, that'd probably be a good one to two hours of every day, just making sure that my presence, you know, stays there. Well, let's, let's go back to that real quickly. Um, uh, making connections and, uh, and, and broadening your, your network, uh, especially in the writing community is a, a critical part of the marketing uh, stage because you can't really do it all on your own. And that's, you know, like one of the reasons why we've all uh, jumped on board this writing block train is because, you know, there's strength in community. So I guess the question would be for you, Don, uh, how have you leveraged your network to, um, to better help expand the reach of your, your book? Well, let me just start by saying I resisted joining Twitter like crazy. Like I just refused to join Twitter for the longest time. And a friend of mine finally convinced me. She's like, look, there's so much good writing stuff on Twitter. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. And so a little over a year ago, I joined Twitter and I decided when I did that, that I was going to go all in. and. By all in, I mean I was going to interact. I was going to read what other people wrote. I was going to respond to what other people wrote. I was going to try to make connections. So so when I decided to join, I just went all in. And I truly feel like I've found a community there of people that aren't just online friends. I've met some people in real life. I, I mean, I feel deep connections with a lot of the the relationships I've formed there. So at Twitter, I always say is my happy place because I feel like it's a group of people where we get each other. Um, and in little over a year's time, I think I have almost 19,000 followers. So yeah, it's just looking you up there. I was like, how many followers does she have? It, it, it's crazy. Like I can't keep up, honestly. Like I'm, I'm like, if I haven't followed you back, don't hate me. I wait till somebody interacts and then I follow them back based on interaction because otherwise I would spend two hours a day just trying to go through my followers and making sure and, and right. 
that process. Um, and I do have, of course, Facebook and Instagram. And I I try to interact there, but it's harder for me to do so for some reason. And I know that's not the case for everyone. Some people are more comfortable on Instagram. But for me, it's been a slower, harder process. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently entered into a giveaway on Instagram with six other psychological thriller and suspense writers. And that was, that helped me a lot at engagement and feeling like a little different about how I engaged with people. And it also got me quite a few new followers on Instagram, which I had been struggling to break that thousand follower mark. So I agree with what you said, Jackie, about the the giveaways. It really helps people to get to know who you are and at least check out your profile and check out some of what you have to say. And I like the idea of, of partnering with others as well, because I think then they, they're spreading the word and you're spreading the word and it's not all on your shoulders. And if you do have a book, like you said, where it's a similar genre, then you're going to have crossover in fans. I did a, a promotion just like what just like that, when the book first came out, it wasn't with six other, but it was with just two other dystopian releases that had come out the same month. Um, and I did notice just a big crossover of all of our fans following each other. And, a, you know, a little bit of an uptick in, in um, natural sales during that time also. Yes. Awesome. I'm partnering with the Gestalt Media, um, which Jason Stokes is part of Gestalt. And he has been doing a lot of research into unconventional marketing approaches. So something that we wanted to try just to see what kind of response it got is going with some social media influencers. Um, Mm. Because there are so many out there and for the price of what it would cost to let's say run an Amazon ad or run a BookBub ad, you can reach more followers. So I believe earlier this week, we tried our first ad with an influencer on Instagram. And I saw a big uptick in sales for only $20 spent for the ad with the influencer. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's huge. Yeah. I really think there's something to that. Because like you, Jackie, I try to at least once a month spend a little bit of money towards ads. And I'm not talking a lot of money, like less than $30 a month is Mm -hmm. what I want to spend at this point. And seeing, actually getting to see that, okay, we spent $20 and you could track how many likes the post got on Instagram. So you're seeing how many people are at least seeing your ad. And mm-hmm. then to see the uptick in sales, I really, I give credit to Jason because this is a, I think it's a really effective way cost wise to market. Definitely. I would love to know what you did differently in marketing your two books. And if you've just seen, you know, a change in how that's received. Okay. With bits and pieces, I, I did put it out with an, a small indie publisher who did very little in terms of marketing. So all of the marketing fell on my shoulders. The approach I've taken has been a very organic approach. Like I want sales to just happen organically. I don't want to have to go out and beg for sales. I don't want to have to throw books at people. I just want to have interactions and make sales. And for bits and pieces, that's worked fairly well. And 
I give a lot of credit to Twitter for that working. Um, I know some people say that they don't get a lot of sales on Twitter. I feel like the majority of my sales and my reviews have come from people in the writing community. I think that's there's two sides to that as well, because I also make sure to give back to the writing community by buying and reviewing books written by indie authors. Um, so I, I feel like it's a give and take kind of relationship. Um, and I feel like that has worked very well for me. With Echoes um, and working with Jason, he has some different ideas and that I'm more than willing to try and happy to try. Um, one of those is we did the pre-order campaign through Indiegogo. And um, I was a little nervous about doing it that way because I felt like it was taking away that organic approach because, you know, for people to contribute, they have to know you have a campaign. For them to know you have a campaign, you have to reach out to them and tell them personally. And so, you know, the first couple of weeks the campaign was running, you know, I was getting some some pre-orders through the campaign and finally, Jason said, I think you need to ask people. He said, I think you'll be surprised by how many people want to support you if you ask. Mm-hmm. And reach out to some people who had read bits and pieces and had told me, hey, I can't wait till your next book came out and reached out to them personally and got such a favorable response to that, that I almost met my goal um, for my campaign. So, so that's one difference that we did. And then, like I just mentioned, we used the social media influencer just this week, whereas with bits and pieces, I stuck to kind of your more traditional routes of paid advertising like BookBub, mm-hmm. Amazon ads, that type of thing. Um, so I, I kind of, my motto since I published has been to step out of my comfort zones. So I'm trying to be willing to try new things. Um, so I've, I've enjoyed some of the suggestions Jason's had and we're seeing positive results. That's great. I have a, I have a question to tail off of that, um, Don, if you don't mind. Uh, you mentioned that, that uh, the majority of, of your sales come out of the writing community from obviously from other writers uh, buying your book and, and, and reading your book. Um, have these new strategies helped you uh, get that uh, that Mount Olympus, that, that Mount Everest of all things that we all want, which is just pure readers? Has that, have you seen an uptick in that at all from these new, these new methods? I don't know yet. I hope so. Um, because it's, but it's only been two weeks since my book released. So I'm hoping and you don't have results already? What's wrong with you? <laughs> I, and I know it's driving me crazy. I'm like, I'm so impatient. <laughs> like, let me know. I hope it has. And and I won't say. I, and I might have misspoken. I I don't know that the majority of my sales have come from Twitter. The majority of my reviews mm. have come from Twitter. Oh, okay. And I think there's I think there's a difference there because. Yeah, when writers read your work, they're more likely to review than just than some readers reading your work. So I think I've been fortunate in that way that a lot of writers have read my work because they know how important reviews are. Mm. So, you know, within eight months, I have over 100 reviews on Amazon. So I'm thankful 
for that. But I, I don't know that I spoke correctly when I said the majority of my sales have been from writers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And no, absolutely. And I was just, I was trying to kind of uh, steer the conversation a little bit to, to some of these methods that, that we've all used uh, to, to get that elusive, like new reader, you know, the one that's going to stick with you for a while. And so that we can open up the conversation and, and start talking about some of those tactics and techniques, kind of like you dove into with, with your new uh, publisher. Let's go back to some of the stuff that you did when you were in phase number one with say bits and pieces. Um, did you use like any uh, book trailers or uh, what, what non-traditional marketing ideas did you, uh, did you pull out of the old hat? When I first released, I did have a friend that created a wonderful book trailer for me. Um, so I did use that whenever I could. Um, I also tried to do in-person events at least one or two a month for, I'd say, the first four to five months. And I also looked for some non-traditional places to do events. Um, And what I found, like one of my launch parties, I had at a Buffalo Wild Wings. And that was such a fun, relaxed atmosphere to have a launch party that I, several customers came up to me and purchased my book, several of the wait staff, Um, so I feel like thinking in unconventional ways about, okay, I can do a launch party outside of a bookstore, maybe find some readers that maybe wouldn't feel comfortable walking up to a crowded room in a bookstore (laughs) to approach the author. Um, so that's, that's something else I did. Um, and I also making it available in multiple formats. I feel like that helped a lot as well. Um, like with bits, I have it in ebook, paperback, hardcover, and audible. And I've seen consistent sales in each of those formats, which tells me I'm hitting different people's needs with each format. Is the, is the audiobook tracking as well as, as say others are? I know that that's like the new frontier of publishing. I wouldn't say my sales have not been as high as they have been with the other formats, but they've been consistent. You know, I'm consistently seeing sales each month, but that, that for me, it's like, I haven't found a way to like market just the audio portion that's worked exceptionally well. Okay, cool. That's an interesting, an interesting avenue uh, for me, uh, the audiobook one. And I've, I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about it and having these Having multiple formats for your story out there, I think, is is one of the biggest keys of marketing. You illustrated it so uh, eloquently there. What what's been the hardest thing about marketing? And, and you can speak to any more of those formats as well, if you if you wish. I think for me, because I haven't self published, because I'm with a with a because I'm with independent publishers. I don't necessarily get to see in real time whether the money I'm investing is working. Mm -hmm. If somebody who's self-published goes and they place a book bub ad, then they can watch their their Amazon sales and see, you know, is this book bub ad paying off? I mean, yes, I'm having clicks, but are those clicks translating to sales? I haven't been able to do that. So I kind of feel like sometimes I'm just throwing money out there and just hoping something sticks and not really knowing if it has. So that's been really hard for me to not have that control. So that's been hard. And then I think just how to make my book 
stand out when there are millions of books from people to choose from like that that's a struggle like why choose my book when you could choose so many others um i think that's that's tough for me that is the million dollar question that we all have isn't it (laughs) where have you found you know your readers like is there a specific you know besides twitter and say social media um where, where are you finding this population and do you have like a consistent, maybe a mailing list or, 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 or a place where your readers uh, can communicate with you? I have a website. Um, I do not have a mailing list and I know that people swear by them. I have been so hesitant to do one though, because I know what I do when I subscribe to people's mailing lists and then I get the (laughs) newsletters in my mailbox, I delete them. And I'm sorry to all the people who listening (laughs) whose newsletters I subscribe to. I just, to me that it's a nuisance. And so I've been very hesitant to do that. So any convinced otherwise, I guess. (laughs) No, No, not necessarily. This is all about marketing outside the box. And I think that the current, um, status quo is, is if you don't have a mailing list, you don't have a a book. I mean, that's just kind of the prevailing winds or the attitude, at least in, in, in indie or self-publishing. I have a mailing list and I will speak on it for a second. And I think I've had to start viewing it as kind of a revolving door and that I'm not expecting Mm. really anyone that's been on my mailing list for a couple months to suddenly buy a bunch of books. (laughs) And so it's kind of constantly been this thing where I'm like, okay, what can I do to add a couple hundred more people to my mailing list over the next couple months? And then maybe those that haven't opened it in six months, just kind of, you know, I'll I'll, um, delete them because they probably don't, you know, aren't really caring at this moment. Um, And so (laughs) to do that, I'll often do um, some joint giveaways where there's a few authors that invest in a prize package that's maybe, you know, a little larger than one author could, could um, provide. And so a few that I've done, there's been like 10 of us, and then we'll give away, you know, like $300 worth of something on a theme. So one of the last mm. ones we did was around American gods. Are you talking about a Russell Nolte? Builder? I am. Yep, I am. So I've done a <laughs> few of his, but then you kind of have to view it as, okay, you kind of, you get your, your email, your first email to these people is like, your chance. <laughs> mm-hmm. right. And so instead of viewing it as, oh, these are someone I've, I've earned followers for life. You kind of just got to get that first email that, that hits their inbox to be like, here's me pitching myself and, and hope that they go check you out just from that one. Um, and then just kind of view it as an ever changing, you know, machine really. <laughs> if that makes sense. I hope that made sense. Yeah. No, it does. I it think does. it does. Um, I, I, one of the things that that's, with marketing, that's just the most difficult thing is just simply being able to talk about your book mm-hmm. or, or what your story is. And I think that that's like the hardest thing or the hardest obstacle for most writers to overcome is right there at, at the point of sale. When you've got somebody who's like, Oh, you're a writer. Cool. What have you published? And then you have to go through the process of telling him what your book is. So if we're if we're in an elevator, Don, let's 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 have you pitch me outside of the box bits and pieces. Um, Tessa is the main character, and she was born with a gift. Um, through touch, she picks up pieces of other people and gets either glimpses of their past, their pain, 
Um, she never knows what exactly she's going to get. Um, so she kind of spends her whole life just pretty confused about who she really is versus who she's picked up from others. Um, a chance encounter with a killer um, traps her within the mind of a madman, and she has to fight to free herself before she becomes the next victim or before she kills the next victim. That, so there's my element. That, there it is. There it is, folks. That's how you do it right there. Like 30 seconds. I mean, and that's really, and that's really all it, it, all it is in this, in this marketing game and, and coming up with ideas that you can get that 30 second clip in somebody's face at least six or seven times. And that's going to equal maybe a sale, right? I mean, that's kind of the game we're talking about. How about, do you want to take a stab at it, Jackie? Oh, at my elevator pitch? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I guess I get to edit this if I want to. Uh (laughs) (laughs) No fair. Sure. So the seclusion takes place in a walled-off America in the year 2090. It is ruled by a totalitarian board of directors comprised of 30 people. No one can leave. And basically, it follows two main characters who discover a cache of contraband from the past that you know, leads them to question everything that they've been taught. And so they're led down a path to unveil the true history of the country and how it ended up this way. There we go. How good. You see, and I I feel like, you know, and I brought this practice just to light because I think it's important for all of our listeners out there to, to understand that this is the core of all of your, your marketing efforts. If you can't do this simple part, and, and it's one of the ones that I struggle with, too. Mm-hmm. And I, I did with my first novel. People would ask me, what's your book about? Uh, stu- stuff and things. <laughs> so much and stuff. So there's <laughs> yeah. a beginning and there's an end and, and some stuff happens <laughs> in the middle. And there's people in it. And Read know, the book. <laughs> read, read, I don't know. Read the book, right? But it's important to have that because how many – how many social media posts have you had where you had to basically describe the plot in a sentence or two mm-hmm. or, or, or your ads, any advertisement that you create, whether it be in your newsletter or if it's in a Facebook ad that you've done, it's all got to be that concise. And, and I think the, the key here is finding ways that you can take that bite-sized message and slam it into multiple different mediums to see what sticks. And I think that's what Don was really getting at earlier. Very, uh, uh, very eloquently. I was, I was, I was just sitting there going, oh, I'm learning so much right now. I think one thing I've taken away too, is that I, I always do better in in-person events. And so that's one thing I'm okay. going to try to work yes. on is putting myself into more situations where I can be in person, whether that be like a writer's conference or whether it be, um, like for instance, one time, my husband and I, who's a, you know, a, a two-dimensional artist, basically shared a booth at you know a craft fair and it wasn't meant to be um, a book event but I sold several copies of my book just because I was able to talk to people face to face um, and and so that's cool I think you know keeping that in mind that that you may be able to you know even just a few hours of the day might might yield more results than sitting there frustrated for the same few hours <laughs> you know on your computer exactly and I think I think that's incredibly, I think that's incredibly important and smart um, because uh, I think a lot of times uh, we get into this uh, we get into this online game where it's all digital. Everything that you do is digital, and 
And and I think that it's you're, you're going to have a really hard time finding a readership if you don't have uh, a, a physical presence somewhere, whether it's conventions or book signings or just at your public library. Uh, you need to show your face and show your book and, and see if you can tackle that arena because uh, just selling them online, it, it doesn't seem to me like it's a viable option. Mm-hmm. Right. And and I, I agree with that too. And like I said, with bits and pieces, I would commit to one or two functions per month and they're exhausting and they take a lot of time, but it's also nice to get to meet people face to face. And like you, Jackie, I feel like when I can sit down with someone and talk to them, they at least get a little interested in me as a person. And then by an, as an extension of that, they're like, oh, I want to check out mm-hmm. your book. So I do think that that helps a lot. And I'm anxious to get some things scheduled now that Echoes is released. I was waiting on my um, hard copy so I could go out to some places to try to set some things up. Um, I did an author fair this past weekend. And this thing was so well attended and so... I I was amazed at the amount of people that came in, but there were also like 45 Mm -hmm. authors, even though it was well attended, you're basically competing for people's dollars amongst 45 other authors. (laughs) But part of it too, is people talking to you, taking Mm -hmm. your card, keeping your information. And you never know, like, even though you may not, you know, I made three sales the day of the event, but I passed out. 20 to 30 business cards. I talk to people. Um, you just don't know what those connections will do for you in the future. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really good to keep in mind. I um, did a science fiction conference last spring, and I think it helped that there weren't a ton of books there. So there was a lot of other stuff going on, but there were really only, you know, five or six authors. Um, and so, so in that setting, it was really something unique and something to take home. And so I did pretty well there. But then it was also, like you said, Don, really helpful just to keep, you know, I met some people that I'm still in touch with. Right. You know, I think we met the guy who was running the indie book box for a while. And we met a few other people. And, you know, those connections have just keep showing what they can offer as the months go by. So what is your uh, what is your book uh, like table at these events look like? How do you guys put that together? That might be some interesting stuff for our listeners. Um, what I do is I always take a tablecloth because generally they don't have one and you've got a beat up table. Um, so I just, I bought a tablecloth that matches both of my books. So it's got, it's a red one. Um, and then I ordered signs, uh, little tabletop signs from Vistaprint, um, with my book covers and, I have bookmarks for each book, business cards. I have a notebook that I was supposed to start collecting emails for mailing uh, for mailing addresses for a newsletter, but <laughs> I haven't done that. Um, so I try to keep it pretty simple. Oh, and always chocolate. I always take chocolate because, you know, you got to draw people to your table. <laughs> so mine's pretty simple, but eye-catching, I nice. think. I like the idea of chocolate. You just say you're luring them in with candy. This is very nice. I like this. I'm going to try that next time. You kind of have to have something. I know for me, it depends on the event. So some events, you know, if you're kind of, it's just a book event or it's professionals. Like I was just at one where it was mostly educators and librarians. So I didn't feel like my table had to be really flashy. So I just kind of have a, um, 
probably similar to what Dawn has a, a roll up banner uh, that has the book cover and it has a couple of um, quotes. Like I have a school library journal and a Kirkus quote. So I put that on the top there. Um, and then I kind of just nicely arranged the book. So I have like a mini pop-up easel that I'll use. But then for like big book festivals, when again, you're trying to draw people in, I actually um, have a giant spinning wheel <laughs> that I got nice. on Amazon for like $25 and it's dry erase. And so you can just write things in all of the... Um, you know, the little spots. And so I'll have like two spots that say free book and the other ones will say like candy ah. or ebook or things that don't really cost me much money. But it really, the two events that I've taken it to, I noticed a huge difference in how many people came to my table. <laughs> that is brilliant. That I really is. It. You've got that whole winning addiction factor built into the, the experience. <laughs> and then you can pitch them with your elevator pitch. You get, yeah, that's your... <laughs> Let's create a scratch off of some kind. Can you imagine what a hit that would be? Like if you could create a scratch off and then. That probably isn't as hard to do as we think. How to sell your book like a casino would. That's, that's my next marketing book I'm going to put together. I know a friend that has done like, um, you know, just to pass out like tattoos of a symbol in her book. And so that's kind of fun. Ooh. Like little temporary ones. Or uh, stickers. Cool. I have some little, um, just little buttons that have like, you know, reading quotes on them and stuff that I can just give away. I think having something free that you can give to people helps. Yes. I had a wild idea while I was listening to you guys, and, and I just want to get you guys' perspective on it for for the purposes of of uh, a table somewhere at an event. What if you have a couple of your friends dress up as characters from your book and act out a scene? Ooh, that would, <laughs> that be, would fun. be fun. Yeah. I could see like Tahani uh, having this happen at like at one of her conventions that she goes to, like with the uh, her Renfest. Um, that that would be something, you know, if you could get people yeah. in garb, like especially if you have a fantasy book. I think that that would attract a lot right. of attention. So there's a freebie for our, our listeners right there. Somebody go ahead and try that and get back to us here at Writing Block and let us know That's how right. it works. Well, and I think you do have to read your audience. So if you're going, like when I went to the science fiction conference, I mean, people were just walking around in costumes. So if I had had maybe dressed up like a character from my book or done something that maybe was a conversation starter, that stuff helps a lot. And see, I've seen that a lot, especially in the sci-fi and fantasy communities, dressing up like one of the characters in your book. I know Tahani does it with her armor. I've seen like Jameson Stone uh, dresses up like one of his characters in, in The Runes Apprentice. But yeah, I, I think that's that's marketing outside the box right there, dressing up like your character. Just having something that, you know, gets people's attention. Like I, I think I was wearing some, um, you know, I'm a Doctor Who fan. And so I was wearing TARDIS earrings and people came to just talk to me about the earrings I was wearing. And then that led into a conversation of, oh, what are you doing yeah. here? And so just keeping that in mind and reading, you know, the audience that you're around. Yeah, you've yeah. got to know your audience. Exactly. That's awesome. Well, and that word of mouth is so important. And I think, you know, just, yes, while your interactions may start on social media, I've had so many people then reach out to me that I'm not connected with on social media and say, oh, I heard about your book from so-and-so and picked it up and oh my gosh, I loved it. Mm -hmm. 
So it it does, that word of mouth is, I think, the biggest marketing tool mm-hmm. we have. Mm-hmm. I actually got a review on Goodreads from someone who got my book out of one of those little free libraries. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah. Which I thought was really neat. Like, because, you know, somebody obviously bought the book, read it, donated it in there, and someone actually picked it up, read it, and reviewed it. That is really cool. How cool cool is that? So that was exciting. Um, Also, something I think that's helped, too, is um, I know Bits, and I'm not sure about Echoes yet, is available through our lo- several local library systems. And I think that helps as well because books are expensive and not everyone does have an e-reader. So I think having them available mm-hmm. in the libraries is mm-hmm. a way to attract readers as well. And especially if you can make those connections with any local librarians, um, I think that helps. One of the other things I did with bits that I haven't yet done with Echoes is I called every, I think every indie store in the state bookstore in Ohio and just said, Hey, I'm a local author. I wanted to see how you partner with local authors and every single one of them did something. Some of them ordered books on the spot and to put on their shelves. Others offered to let me come and do a signing there or an event there. Um, so I think just stepping out of your comfort zone and saying, okay, well, you know, can you partner with me? Are you willing to, I, I feel like people are generally a yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's just a lot of fear involved in that first interaction, right? You're like, uh, what, what if I get rejected? And that's one of the hardest parts, right? Especially for authors, you know, we're not natural salespeople, the majority of us. One thing that I did learn when I went to this, um, it was called Nerd Camp, and it was a a conference for educators, librarians, and authors together. And so it was just like lots of brainstorming sessions. But they said they loved it when authors reached out to them and let them know they were interested in not just in-person visits, but talking to students over Skype, and that sometimes they would then order a few copies of the book to prepare the students to have these conversations with authors over Skype. So that that might be something to look into. That's a cool idea. Yeah, but they said they love that because they don't have a ton of you know extra funds to pay authors a lot of money. And so when they're able to not have the travel expenses be a part of that, um, then they can sometimes do some more fun lessons with their kids. So um, let me ask you guys this. What's what's your zaniest or, or most outside the box uh, marketing tactic that you've used to date? Hmm. So like for me, um, you know, uh, as some of our readers know, I, uh, I, uh, I, I drive Uber as well. And uh, so what I do is I have a couple of books that I'll sit in the back seat, uh, you know, from time to time, I'll have to reload them. But uh, that is uh, that's come up with plenty of uh, ways that I can talk to random people that are not associated with either the writing community or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But so, yeah, <laughs> going, going back to that, it, you know, just having the book physically in, in any kind of uh, situation where you might run into somebody who's a reader or just to bring up the point of conversation. I even have like on the Uber app, oh, I'm a published author. And, and that'll usually spike up a conversation about that sort of thing. And it's gotten me really comfortable with just talking about the book or and getting over that elevator pitch because I've had to do it a few uh, hundred times or more. Mm-hmm. That's a really good point. Now that you say that, I do spend um, 
I, I live kind of far from my kids' school, so often when I'm working, I'll just I, I do um, content writing as my daytime job as well. And so I spend a lot of time in coffee shops. Yep. Um, and so usually when someone asks me what I'm working on, I always make sure to have one or two books in my bag. And I also make sure to have every payment option possible. So I have Venmo on my phone. I have PayPal. I have Cash App. I have a, a Stripe reader. <laughs> I have it all because <laughs> I don't want to ever say no when someone wants to buy my book on the spot. And and I've sold, I've sold multiple books that way. So, yeah. <laughs> I think restaurants must be a good catch because... Um, after I did one of my launch events, a group of my family and some friends went out to a restaurant just to eat and kind of celebrate. And while we're sitting there, you know, we're just talking and the waiter comes over and he's like, did you write a book? And I said, well, yeah. He's like, oh, my fiance works here and she loves to read. She would love to meet an author. Can you come meet her? And so I ended up going over, meeting her, telling her about the book. And she's like, well, do you have copies with you now? I'd love to buy it. And went out to the car. Of course I had copies. And so she bought one of the books right there. Um, so that was kind of cool. It, 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 it still take, I still am taken aback when someone's like, oh, you're an author. And they're like impressed with that. I'm like, oh, wow. It is a big deal that I wrote a book. Like, that's pretty cool. Isn't it like that's that's one of the things we forget. We forget about it all the time. It's like, yeah, anybody can do it. That's my that's my mindset. It's like, well, if I could do it, anybody could do it. Um, yeah, I wrote a book. So what? And it's like, I think that's like part of the the draining aspect of it. Yes, you end up just going, oh yeah, I wrote a book. And when I feel that way, I force myself to take time away from Twitter because I think especially in the writing community on Twitter, it's very easy to feel that way. Like everyone there writes and everyone has a book. Not everyone in the world has written a book. <laughs> so um, if you guys had to had a chance uh, for our listeners out there who maybe are struggling with uh, maybe their first book is coming out or, or, or they're starting to look ahead, you know, uh, for this marketing process, uh, for first timers, do you have any advice, some words of wisdom or compassion or empathy for the process? Ask for help and, and kind of do this style thing. Talk to other writers. Cause I think even, even people who are published traditionally or through to one of the top five, like we all just have to do so much of our own marketing now. And so you're not alone in feeling this way partner with other authors if you can. I think those have been my most successful things that I've done. Um, and then get out in front of live people just so that they can see your face and see that you're a genuine, you know, kind human being who, uh, you know, accomplished something and yeah, mix it up. So you're not, it doesn't feel monotonous all the time. And in addition to that, I would share the advice that I've tried to follow myself. And that is to say yes to any opportunity that comes my way to talk about my book, even if it scares me to death. Mm -hmm. So doing things like podcasts and YouTube videos, if you get approached, say yes. Um, because you just, you, you just don't know where that will lead. And I know a lot of writers are introverts, um, step out of that comfort zone. And like Jackie said, get out in front of people and it, eventually you will get a little less uncomfortable doing so, but you've got to put yourself out there and, 
and do things that might be a little bit uncomfortable for a while and it will get easier. And I think the other important thing, because I think sometimes you see the advice and everyone has an opinion about what to do, what not to do, what works, what doesn't. And I really think that something different works for each of us. While we may have talked about a lot of things here today, some things might work for Jackie that won't work for you, Christopher, or will work for you that won't work for me. And so it's about trying a lot of different things and seeing what works, Mm -hmm. sticking to what works and letting go of what doesn't. Right. And that's a, that's a life lesson for all of you listeners out there too. (laughs) There is not one way to do it. And this entire journey, whether it's writing or your own personal life is all about Mm -hmm. figuring out what works for you. With that being said, um, my advice is to join us over at Writing Block. Uh, we've got a lot of people with a lot of really great ideas. And uh, if you could join a writing community, uh, I think ours is one of the best ones. Um, and you'll learn a lot about marketing, uh, parenting, uh, <laughs> any number of things. We have so many Slack chat channels that it's, uh, it's well, it's mind boggling. <laughs> um, uh, Don, where, where can our uh, listeners find your work? Uh, where, can, where can they find you online? Uh, Give us a little bit of the, the rundown there. Okay. I have a website. It's www.dawn, D-A-W-N, Hosmer, H-O, S as in Sam, M as in Max, E-R.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Don Hosmer 7 Instagram at DawnH71, and on Facebook as myself, just my name. And... I think that's, oh, my books are on, both of them are on Amazon. I believe Bits is also on Audible, Walmart, Barnes and Noble. So it can be found in multiple channels. And I will just give my my plug, which I often do, to support IndieBound if you can, which is a um, third-party website that will order any book to your local indie bookstore. Yes. Ooh, yeah, that's a good one. Well, all right. This has been the Writing Block Podcast, where we cover all things writing and indie publishing. I'm Christopher Lee, your host with co-host Jackie Castle, and our special guest, Don Hosmer. Thanks, you guys, for joining me tonight. Thank you.